What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hard Work Beats Talent, where we aim to draw upon the insights of our inner circle in order to help our listeners make more informed decisions about their career and life journeys. I'm Nikita, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Alex. And before we get into it, if we could just ask you, please, to subscribe, follow, like, and comment. Our handle is Hard Work Beats Talent Podcast across social media platforms, uh, your listening platforms for podcasts such as YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and Google. We'd really appreciate it. And with that, on today's episode, we are joined by a good friend and member of our inner circle, Sam Johnson. Welcome to the show, Sam. How are you? Very well, Nick. How are yeah. you doing? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks for joining us today. We're um, we're super excited to have such a superstar such as yourself <laughs> on the show. So really grateful for you coming on. Um, to kick us off, do you want to give our listeners a bit of a background uh, into who you are, where you're from and what you do? A bit like Scylla Black. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm Sam Johnson. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter originally from Shropshire. I now live in London, uh, neighbours with Nick, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've been writing songs for quite some time, since about 14 or so, and maybe in the last five or six years, taking it kind of professionally, um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the very rough summary, but um, yeah, that's that's what I do. Well, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say we're, we're very blessed to have our first musician on the podcast. So, no, thank you again for, for joining us, Sam. So, for ours and the listeners' benefits, would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview as to, like, your early career and how you ended up getting into singing and songwriting? Absolutely, yeah. So, it's, it's always hard to know exactly where to start with something that's kind of creative like that, especially when you're writing songs, but I guess it it starts with those kind of early memories of music, um, which would be, you know, I don't have a traditionally kind of very musically driven household. I've got like a creative household. My dad was an architect. Um, my mum was a nurse, but like her brothers were involved in um, both, they were both actors and stuff. So I grew up in a kind of creative environment, I guess. Um, and, and soon that it started, I guess, as like wanting to follow my uncle's footsteps and being like an actor. And I started doing stagecoach and all that shit where you're oh, le okay. learning to perform and, and sing and stuff. Um, but then quite soon into my teens, I, I basically picked up a guitar. I think my mate Connor was playing like uh, a Chili Peppers riff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just that, that a pure kind of competitiveness. I was like, I have to be able to do that as well. <laughs> and then I picked up a guitar and I was like, this is amazing. And you just fall into this world. That was quite early doors at 14. And quickly I realized actually I didn't want to learn other people's stuff. It was like ideas were coming and I started writing songs. So it always started there with writing really. And then my voice kind of was only a, kind of vessels to facilitate like singing people my songs you know yeah. I couldn't show them it otherwise so you know where I where my voice was 10 years ago is vastly different to where mm. I am now I wasn't that kind of guy with a hairbrush <laughs> singing them in the mirror you know what I mean it, yeah. was, it was always kind of driven by the songs um but you know that was very early doors and then I guess we'll get into it more but it 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 got to a point where I had a certain amount um family member very fortunately basically my uncle married a lady that was involved in the music industry and she kind of took me under her wing a bit and she was like you know I was only like 15 16 she's like we should at least record some demos of your stuff did that when I was that old and can I just pause there just for yeah. a moment and just ask then so it sounds like you had a pretty natural talent from a young age and it was uh, recognized by people around you and so is it quite important do you think to kind of have that in your immediate network to kind of you know recognize your your natural talent and help nurture that from a young age I think you are as an artist you're really lucky if you've got that and I certainly was mm. you know my immediate family never had that it was by pure chance that my uncle married someone that was yeah, already yeah, yeah, working yeah. In, this, yeah. in the industry. I wouldn't say it's necessary, you know. There's, okay. there's so many people that um, manage to break through without that because whether it's your aunt or the, the bloke that's randomly sitting in the back of the pub that hears yeah. you, you know, you find a way if you're half decent and you put yourself in front of people in a room 
for someone to finally like mentor you a bit you know what i mean and yeah i suppose i was just lucky that um that happened kind of from a family thing mm -hmm. but um i don't think it's necessary you know okay and, Sweet. and just to be clear am i right in thinking that you were self-taught with the guitar or did you get lessons yeah yeah, yeah. self-taught i as i said i kind of picked it up through mm. my mate and um you know the internet is a brilliant thing you can just learn what's called tab where you're not you don't need to read music i still can't read or write music um you just they it's almost like a, a kind of weird like visual maths thing which you you anyone could i wouldn't stretch as far as no anyone could look at this stuff yeah. and it, it just it's an immediately simplifying um thing that you can use to learn guitar i had two lessons mm. i think at very early doors because that's naturally what you're told to do learn yeah, c yeah. a and g or something yeah and that was like i actually want to write my own stuff it's purely driven through writing my own stuff that i actually became self-taught if you see what i mean okay. I, I think we'll give you two lessons because i i had maybe 20 drum lessons and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say i don't play the drums <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the, the other really interesting thing i picked up on was that you said you felt like you were more of a songwriter than a singer but then singing was the only way you could express what it was that mm. you were producing creatively mm. i've not met many musicians but it's interesting because yeah you identify as a singer songwriter but it's almost like songwriter who happens to sing yeah because that's where the creative expression is coming from yeah are there from like the people you know people out there that might have really great songwriting ability but not have that willingness to perform because by the sounds of it from speaking to you i don't think you really come across as someone that wants to necessarily be in the center of attention and in mm -hmm. front of everyone but kind of putting yourself into that uncomfortable situation to express yourself to clearly pay dividends down the line do you know people that haven't had as much willingness and what would your advice be to them to just purely pursue the songwriting route as you see you see so many people like that and I suppose the reason I see it a lot is because I m meet and, and know a lot of professional songwriters and, and they are people that just have a, a, a talent and a work ethic driven towards writing, writing songs and they might not have, I think everyone's got a bit of a voice, you know, everyone mm. can do something with it, but there's a, obviously a stark difference between people that really love singing um, and the people that love singing in the shower, love singing <laughs> in the shower, maybe. And you know, for some people, yeah. they're born with a real talent for writing songs. That um, maybe if it's through confidence, they don't want to be the center of attention, as you say, um, or surely through like a, a lack of willingness to try and sing. If it's the songwriting that they can make it turn into a profession, you know. So I, I know a lot of people like that definitely. Because. Again, again, I might be getting this completely wrong and butchering your art, so apologies if so, but it, it reminds me of, um, there's a comedian I once met and they said that a lot of comedians are typically introverts because they like to sit there and write out what they want to perform, but then when yeah they actually go to perform, it's necess not necessarily kind of with the grain and kind of goes against the grain, but they have to put themselves out there. and. Um, Interesting that, yeah, singer-songwriter, I hadn't really thought about it before, but it, it, they're kind of counterintuitive in that, like, if you're someone that likes singing, you're perhaps not going to be the person that likes sitting there and writing, but, yeah, to do mm. both is, is remarkable, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that do do both or might side more heavily on one, one side of the coin than the other, but um, there's also, you know, it's, it's the introversion, the extroversion thing, like, it's such a mixed bag. Like, there's so many people that are unbelievably talented like one of my favorite artists ben howard for instance like i've seen him multiple times on stage massive introvert you know but mm. doesn't stop number one he's a great songwriter but he's also got a hell of a voice and a hell of a way of kind of um converting his performance into something that's genuinely powerful but it's not like he's dancing around on stage like Nicki Minaj or something like that you know what I mean it's like shout out yeah <laughs> exactly shout out Nicki it's like it's, there's there's many different introverts that still manage to perform and and have an amazing performance in their own way you know yeah. what I mean and so going back to that journey that you were taking us on um when your um auntie had kind of started to nurture and foster your talent with you mm. uh, and support you so you were about like you said 15 16 somewhere yeah. in that region yeah where did it go from there? Where did you start to kind of take this from being more of a passion mm -hmm. type of interest to something that you believed you actually wanted to do as a potential full thing. yeah, full-time career or something of that nature? I think the, the turning point 
was really actually like getting those first recordings done. So like that was her main thing. She wasn't going to be like, hey, Sam, you know, I'm going to get your record deal, <laughs> yeah. you're a star and all this kind of stuff. It was like, you've got some great songs here. You should go and record them. And she basically, and this was like amazing at the time. At the time, I didn't know who this guy, who this guy really was, but her brother um, is a guy called Kevin Shields, who is the lead songwriter um, and guitarist for a band called My Bloody Valentine, who are- No way. Yeah, in their amazing. sphere, you know, they're like a cult legend yeah, yeah, of the yeah. band, you know. Hopefully this wasn't like some ghostwriting arrangement and we've just cats out the bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. it's like, you know, she, yeah, he, he was this kind of almost ethereal bloke that wow. I wasn't aware of at the time. He's just this normal guy walking around the house, like we have family Christmases together and stuff. Mm. And it was at one of those that, um, she introduced me and him. It's just this guy with like long white hair that just smoked a load of weed and like that was like <laughs> as far as it went. And I was like, he's a cool guy. And then she was like, um, I've spoken to Kevin. He maybe wants to record some something with you. Um, would you like to go? And I said, hell yeah, we'll go. And she like, we were in Ireland at the time because it's an Irish family and um, took me to Grouse Lodge when we walked through the door, they just gave us like the day in this room for free. So like, is that a recording studio? It's huge recording okay. studio. It's mad that like my first time recording, you know, most of the time I'm working in a room like this. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, But yeah. the very first time it's like Michael Jackson's recorded there, Muse has no recorded way, there, all yeah. these people and like, wow. you know, I was let in because they were like, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> and, For those uh, just listening, they were <laughs> bowing down to Kevin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, he was a sweetheart and sat me in a, on a, on a stool and you know there wasn't much to it he's put a mic in front of me and said just do some live takes we'll yeah do like a few i'll put a little bit of reverb on it you got your first demos and, and wow. that finally i had like an mp3 of what i was at the time to show people um because you can't just go up to any tom dick and harry and just get your guitar out and of course you need to be yeah. able to send stuff or whatever and then to answer your point really BBC introducing that was the first thing so I sent that so to you BBC sent that introducing off. oh wow and then that well, was my first radio play and just on that sending it off to BBC introducing again being creative like it's an expression of you like how was that like kind of being like this is quite a big deal sending a part of myself off to a huge corporation like was that again something that your aunt had suggested or um was that something that you did on your own initiative I and think so just before you answer that it would be great if you can sort of tailor your response in the context of like for our listeners, yeah. like for their benefit of, you know, I'm 18 or an aspiring musician. Yeah. How can this work for me? Basically, it's, I knew about it before she'd said anything. It's so universally kind of inclusive of everyone. There's there's a thing you go to online, bbcintroducing.com or whatever. It says upload your track here. Anyone can do it. You could be awful, you could be great, you could be somewhere in the middle. You could just really believe in yourself. You upload your file, you give yourself an artist name, and then that's basically you away, and, and that's what I did. Um, and then what happens, the great thing about BBC Introducing, they all listen to it, like everything they're sent, there's some- Someone's actually somewhere. like filtering through, and they, wow. They have to listen to it, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the best thing about it. And the, the way they do that, it's not like there's one London office that have to, it's regionally based, so I uploaded to BBC Introducing in Shropshire, which is where I grew up. And then it's like BBC introducing, you know, Lancashire or Surrey or Guildford, you know, wh wherever it is. So they have to listen to the tunes that come in. And then if they think you're half decent, they'll give you a spin. Okay. And that's your first time on the radio. And obviously you had this like privilege and great benefit of having your auntie and, and somewhat of a uh, creative family mm -hmm. dynamic um, and particularly, um, uh, so was it, is it your uncle? Yeah, so my my mum's side, her her brother and well, both of her brothers were actors. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if someone doesn't have the benefit of that, yeah, where would you say is like a good place to start when you're in that particular point of your career? Is it researching things like BBC introducing, yeah. um, and maybe I don't know if you have to maybe spend a little bit of money to put together some kind of demo, yeah. something like that. Would they start there? What What would be some of your tips for for someone in that position? Well, I think you know, number one, absolutely, BBC introducing anyone can do it. You know, if if you can get on on the internet and you have like some recorded music, put it up. Mm. How you record your music? I don't. You don't even these days need a budget. Studio. 
okay on your laptops you know yeah. I, I i you know this is 10 years ago when there wasn't such an overwhelming amount of kind of bedroom producers out there but obviously i've learned since how to do that and now anyone can record their song arguably to a better standard than those early recordings were done for me mm -hmm. um on their laptop so you know obviously you need a bit of money to get a laptop or whatever but if you've got those things in place yeah. um you can you can record your own stuff and, and you can send it for free to bbc introducing so. amazing that's a really good place to start yeah i think yeah. we'll have to include a link to that in yeah. the uh, the show notes because yeah okay. i again forgive my absolute naivety yeah. <laughs> with anything musical yeah. but i didn't know about that and i've got some friends who have been aspiring musicians and to the extent they haven't heard about it i'll, I'll definitely be resharing yeah. that with them yeah, so cool. in terms of your career development you had been kind of playing uh, recreationally your aunt had essentially told you to get some stuff down in a recording this musical legend that you <laughs> unbeknownst to you yeah. takes you along for it's mad because i'm a huge fan of his now yeah. like my bloody valentine and now one of my favorite bands so it's like <laughs> amazing I, didn't, I just didn't it probably helped actually because mm. i wasn't starstruck you know what i mean yeah but, yeah yeah so he takes you along to the studio you get your recording in you go to um the bbc site and and upload it what what does your career development look like then from that point and um what sort of age were you as well because presumably you've got exams and university to think about potentially if, yeah. i don't know what sort of external pressures you might have faced and yeah, yeah to have pursued a musical career at, at that point in time I, it'd just be interesting to hear a bit more about that too yeah well i, I guess I was, when i put my first things out um i was 17 maybe i think um so obviously you're in in year 12 or whatever and end of school's rapidly approaching um but i you know i was really passionate about it at that point and i not that i was like this is absolutely what i'm gonna devote my life to at that point but i was certainly devoting a big part of my life to that um and yeah it was it was basically upload to them they started playing a few of my songs on the radio on local radio on bbc shropshire um i think yeah that was as far as those particular songs got i also put it on youtube all those kind of early things and then i went to start playing open mic nights so i needed to start playing live as well right so mm. i went out and started playing live at open mic nights um in my local area i did like an open mic competition got into the final of that and just things on a local level started just you know friends figured yeah, out yeah. i was into this and they started supporting me and all this kind of stuff end of school came I had a girlfriend from Australia at the time um, who I went out to be with for, for a year of my life, basically. But I took my guitar over and I made an absolute like promise to myself every week I would do bare minimum one open mic, two, three, four if I could. Every week I had to hit that one open mic. I had to get in front of a crowd every week because like that's the next part, which is like the most important thing I can share with anyone is like you as an artist, if you don't want to just be a songwriter, you want to be a performer, that you can sing perfectly in your bedroom, mm. perform really well, having that stagecraft and that ability to get on stage in front of other people and do what you do in your bedroom, the same out there to them and better. That only happens when you just put in miles and miles of work. It, it, yeah, go ahead, Alex. You, we might be about to say the same thing, but it reminds me of um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where he talks about the, the Beatles and right. the fact that I think they played in like a Hungarian nightclub yeah. and got paid next to nothing, but they were playing every night and that was where they got their 10,000 hours in That's for performing. It, yeah. Such yeah, that yeah. when they did break onto the big stage, they were professionals before mm -hmm. having had what people would consider to be professional experience. I know it really resonates and um, great, yeah. great tip there. Uh, also, when I read, uh, well, I know it's not musical, but um, Kevin Hart's book, yeah. and he, he talks about that the same, like being in the comedy clubs mm. and on the circuit because you can't just be at home making music and mm. as you say you might sound like phenomenal but unless you're out there honing your craft and also networking and meeting people mm. and you don't know who's listening to you mm. um it's going to be more difficult yeah. uh, to actually put your music forward yeah it actually reminds me sorry of a really good concept about um the importance of play but this is like literal play in front of mm. people and the reason why I like kind of playing sports growing up or if it's your, a performer performing as regularly as possible is important is because you're getting real-time feedback that yeah. you wouldn't mm. otherwise get yeah. in your bedroom yeah. <laughs> by yeah, yourself yeah, 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 so um or, or by your mum who's yeah, like yeah. your biggest fan and, um and the most important side of that is being told you're shit yeah because like yeah. 
honestly you do you do just at 17 as well you think you're like i grew up in a rural place middle of nowhere like you think you are the best thing on planet earth <laughs> you, you do if you've got like any modicum of kind of self-belief and like yeah you need that person saying fucking hell you're a bit ropey out there tonight yeah, or yeah. like that's just not my cup of tea to like bring you down to earth and make you start working harder because yeah you, you just need that kind of ability to you know, grow your skin that bit thicker because yeah, yeah. this is a hard place to be. I was, I was actually going to ask that, being as young as you were, mm -hmm. um, sorry, go on, Alex. No, so just on that last point before we, we wrap it up, um, it reminds me of something that Ray Dalio, I was listening to a podcast of his earlier and he was talking about the importance of having um, audacity with your efforts, but then also humility at the same time. Yeah. And like, clearly when you're young, you have all that audacity, you get up on stage, you think you're gonna smash it, but then yeah, you get humbled quickly. Mm. But mm. when you can strike the balance between the two, that's where like real growth occurs. So yeah. I just yeah. wanted to share that too. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a great concept, Alex. Um, and what I was gonna say is being so young, mm -hmm. um, in your school and peer group, you know, growing that thicker skin, is I would imagine is really essential um, yeah. because you know especially as kids there's, there's a lot of criticism and yeah. people can poke fun and stuff. Did you struggle with that at all, or how did you deal with it uh, where you when you did come across some negative uh, feedback? I just honestly I just I knew that I couldn't listen to it for more than two seconds. I knew that like mm. the main thing that counts is is my belief in myself, and I had that. I had the kind of I've always kind of thought of it as like a core, like an ember that just constantly is turning over and burning a little bit inside you somewhere. Like occasionally someone throws a bit of fucking water on it or whatever, as long as it's still burning at the end of the day. And mm. I always like, I, I suppose that's lucky for me because not everyone has that. But even now, like 10 years down the line, I still have that. And I think it takes people knocking you back a million times over for you to kind of actually, if you're still standing, it almost makes you kind of realize you're here for and doing this for a particular reason i mm. suppose and you're just not giving up because that's the most important thing you can put in there is like not giving up really sounds i, I love all that I, I it sounds like you found your purpose through pursuing your passion despite mm. The, mm. the kind of negative criticism you might have received along the way um which i think is beautiful and i think it's a real <laughs> kind of takeaway for all of us like actually if you keep getting up and, and keep on going with with whatever it is you're pursuing despite the feedback that's almost a signal to yourself like you said that yeah. this is something that's important to me and i'm going to pursue regardless um, absolutely yeah and I, th yeah. I think like i've always thought in terms of you know i think you only ever truly fail when you give up like that's kind of it right especially in something yeah. like this it's like you know people can't really label you a failure or a fail failed musician unless you you know hang up the hang mic up, hang up the mic <laughs> hang up the gloves whatever yeah, that's yeah. that's you know so if you keep going all the way until you you six feet under you can yeah. never really say that you failed with anything i don't think because you can you can take off at any time of your life right whatever yeah. that is or means to you um so what what's really coming through to me is from a young age obviously you had uh, a talent which uh, you've nurtured uh, and you've had people around you nurturing in it nurturing it with you mm -hmm. um but what you've had to apply is a lot of discipline um a lot of consistency dedication um taking in that live feedback but also believing in yourself um and continuing to um push forward regardless of any setbacks mm -hmm. um with that how did you get to a point from kind of you know doing the bbc introducing um, to then putting out a bit of music casually mm -hmm. to being picked up by a record label. Mm -hmm. uh, and what did that look like for you in terms of your career trajectory? Because I think it's, it'd be great for our listeners to hear kind of how that process works, you know, how you maybe get found or mm -hmm. discovered and, and then what it all looks like. Yeah, well, yeah, there's definitely a difference between those early miles that you have to put in before you get to that kind of point. But mm -hmm very kind of you know briefly to get to the the manager the label part like what happened for me was went out to australia as i said i i did all the open mics so then met through doing those open mics as you say you network as well as you play yeah. a producer i asked him to record some new songs for me i produced those and then i took those home with me put those out again to bbc introducing this time 
it wasn't just spot plays. It was like they made one track of the week and then they're playing that every day for a month. Oh, wow. And still, it's only local radio, so it only has a limited reach, but it's still it's good. It's something to like talk on your socials about, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then I finished school. Um, well, I'd finished school before the gap year, but I came back and I had a place at BIM University, so it's British Institute of Modern Music um, in Bristol. And like the main reason I was going there is because George Ezra had gone there. James Bay had gone to the Brighton one. There was a good thing of like singer songwriters like mm. myself that had come through there, which is really funny because I'm actually now on the same label or kind of published by the same people that do George Ezra and James Bay. So I'm, I'm only making that in my head now, but it yeah. is funny how things work out. And um, I went there not with the education in mind, to be honest, because like school for me, I, I've you know I've never been particularly great with the kind of academic side of things. Um, but certainly I went there to network and meet new musicians. Did that, was there for a year, met my backing band, wrote more songs. They formed a kind of color behind me for this new record that I put out. And it was that that I recorded in Bristol that I put out on SoundCloud. And I really made a conscious effort to email 100 blogs. Maybe mm. you get 10 blogs saying, this is great and we'll write about it. You get a few reposts on, on SoundCloud. That finally got to the ears of a manager um, in Brighton um, and they got in touch with me and said, are you managed? And it was at the point where I knew that was the next thing I needed to do. And I was, I'd been for years waiting for that to happen and finally I got that email saying, mm. you managed, they seemed reputable. They came on board, um, we met in London and they took me on and that was my first agent manager which as I was saying to Nick before on the way here, it's like that in terms of, pro of a professional move forward, like that's the most important decision you make is who becomes your manager. And it's also like the most important part of your team and the main way into the industry, the larger industry. Well, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, there was so much in there, but it was just, you like literally it, took us on the journey. Yeah, you really, you really did, Sam. No, that you know, it's so awesome. Uh, you've come such a long way um, in such a short space of time. I think in the context of your years, life, yeah, ten years. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But you know, it's um, it just shows like, and I hope people are picking up on this that are listening that you like you can't just put music out there and hope to be discovered. Mm. There is so much, I would imagine, there's so much content out there, whether it's music or podcasts or whatever, that you have to make a really conscious effort to take like extreme action, which is something that you did um, by emailing tons of blogs and going to the shows and doing open mics and just trying to get your music out there. Mm. And it's so like hugely important to, to do that for anyone that is considering this sort of career or wants to pursue their passion um, in music as a career. Yeah, no, Nikki, I completely echo your comments. It was exactly what I was thinking. It's the side of a musician's career that you don't get to see. It's all that additional background work of really pushing your content out there. And even prior to getting uh, the agency interest, doing all that performance work so that you're not just someone that can produce a, a track, but there's some, you're someone that they can put out there and, and perform. And, and, and yeah, I think there's so much for our, our listeners to take away there. And um, yeah, thanks so much for sharing that with us because right. it's, it's really educational. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Um, now, I, I'd imagine, is this kind of where your career really took off? at this point? That's, that's definitely when um, all those things I'd always dreamed of record labels, bigger shows, support slots with artists that I respected became a possibility. It wasn't like right. it wasn't like it happened overnight, definitely. Like it was still effectively what Mash does and what happened to me is they, they take you back to ground level. They mm. my manager said you need to take all your stuff offline again. Oh wow. All the music you put out because effectively, you know, it's 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 an industry where they need to market you and, mm. and package you in the right way, for better or worse. And um they knew that there was better music that they could get out of me to try and get towards that point of kind of record deals and stuff. So they stripped everything bare. And how did that feel for you personally, having spent that mm. length of time developing that? Um, is there a conflict in your mind about, well, is this the right thing for me? Are they doing the right thing? Or were you kind of all in at that point? I think I was like, 
80% all in. You yeah. know, I was willing to, I'd effectively worked to a point where I wanted to get these kind of people on board that could give me an entrance into the wider industry. So if they're telling me, you know, I wasn't overly precious about the music I'd put out anyway, and I knew that actually the songs that I've been writing since were better. Yeah. Um, I knew that their MP3s at the end of the day that I could release at another point. I think it would have been different if I'd had a viral moment or something mm. where something had really caught fire and had a, a kind of organic life of its own. I maybe, and they probably wouldn't want that down either. The mm. fact that they'd only really heard me. I'd, I'd had like a few thousand streams on something. It wasn't the biggest loss in my life to get mm. rid of that, to start again. Yeah. So they do that and then you start, um, you start playing those initial shows where, um, again, as much as I played all those open mics, it's different when you've got a manager and they're inviting record labels down and you're playing with other bands that have been doing it for years and years and years. Suddenly you're a shell again. So you, again, you start again mm. and you're nervously performing and then you start your stagecraft journey and you have to get a million of those in the bag. But at least this time round, they know a million people in the, in, in the industry and mm. they're inviting Joe Bloggs from Polydor or whoever it is and yeah. you're getting in the eyes of good people at that point. And, and just for the benefit of our listeners, so how does that agency relationship work? I might be asking a really dumb question here, but do they kind of give you an advance and say, look, here's, a, and you don't have to get into the actual specifics of it, but, yeah. or is it kind of your salaried member? I, I just, yeah, have never really looked into this. Well, no, so there's basically, there's like, there's maybe three or four different pillars of your career as an artist, right? So number one, managers these are the people that are your your literal right-hand man they 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 book your a lot of your shows um they are the people inviting record labels down they're the people helping you craft your music they for the benefit of them being there for you and them they'll take 20 percent of your profit so that's the industry standard really is 20 percent. that hasn't changed since like the 50s it's, yeah. it's mad um but that's what they're commissioned on. So they- They're really, incentivized. They're incentivized mm. to make you big. Um, and also, you know, it's, it becomes a, a relationship in tandem with each other. So you have to, I think the reason I said it's the most important part of your career is getting that in place. It's also the most important part of your career to get right. I, I really wasn't that much of a big fish. So I only had one person showing a lot of interest. So I didn't have a lot of options. Luckily for me, they were good people. Mm. But if you're one of these people that do have a viral moment or whatever, there's loads and loads of managers coming at you. The sharks start to sharks start encircle to you. And yeah. you, you. They are the most important part of your team. You have to trust them with your life effectively. Mm. So you need to get that right. And then after that, um, as, as I was saying, there's the pillars to it, your record label, is effectively, and again, I was saying this to Nick on the way to kind of make a easy metaphor for it. They're your shop that sell your product. So you've written your songs, you've recorded your songs, they'll pay for you to record the songs. So they're a bank as well. So they finally invest in you. Your managers don't give you any money. They're just like working for free until they mm -hmm. get that 20%. Mm -hmm. The record label will give you money um, for a price. So they'll invest a lot of money in you marketing wise um, and all of the above and they'll take depending on what kind of deal you're on a certain percentage of your earnings on the music that they sign you for mm. so um basically there's major record labels and there's indie uh, indie record labels the majors are they're mainly universal music sony music and warner's music um i might be forgetting a few there but those are the main three the indie record labels are anyone from like domino or dirty hit to you know, you if you started a record label tomorrow, it's just the kind of smaller fish, but they do have a sizable influence like Domino. Um, and the difference between them basically is a major label obviously is a huge conglomerate business, which do everything and they have a huge amount of money. So they can maybe give you more money up front and market you in a better way, mm. but that often comes at less, they take more of your pie. So a typical major label record deal will be literally 80% to the record label, 20% to you. Wow. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. It's 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 yeah. maths that any other profession you would never do, mm. right? But then an indie deal might be 50-50, but then they'll they won't be able to invest as much in you. Yeah. And is that why it's so important to first of all have really like solid people around you, good yeah. advisors, 
probably a good lawyer yeah. as well in yeah. the industry um, and a really good manager yeah. because they're the ones that are there kind of filtering all the rubbish. Exactly. That's yeah. why okay. they you need a very, really good person there as your yeah. manager because they're yeah. the people that have been there and done it before and a good lawyer. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, amazing. And f was there another pillar? Yeah, so th then you've got, um, see, what have I done? Managers, most important record labels are like your shop window. You're like Waterstones if you're an author. They're the people mm. selling your book. Or Amazon. Exactly, or Amazon <laughs> or whoever yeah. it is. Um, and you've got your publishers if you're a songwriter. It doesn't matter so much if you're just a singer, but most singers, even if they're not really songwriters, they'll have a portion of their songwriting in each song now. So if you're a real songwriter, publishers are the people that um, effectively buy your your songwriting, uh, a percentage of your songwriting rights and they'll give you an advance for it. So they'll pay you up front for an album. And the same works for a record deal. So you get an advance up front. That's the first time you see real money, mm. at least in my case for music, was like the first time you get an advance, but it's always at a price. So those are the people that handle your kind of writing royalties. And then lastly is your live agent um, who basically are responsible for booking your shows. They're the people that um, know very good promoters and they'll, they'll might get you on if you're the luckiest person in the world the Ed Sheeran tour or whatever <laughs> Glasto and exactly, all that exactly <laughs> Glasto they're specifically tailored to getting live yeah. opportunity mm. so those are like the four pillars of yeah. most artists and it, it sounds like it depends on what route you take what structure you'll have so either you piece together these different pillars yourself or a label will do it basically for you for a, a large cost yeah, I don't think it's even the label. It's like it's your managers at the end oh, of the day. Okay. Like you, you yeah. might not want to sign a record deal. You might not want to sign a publishing deal. You yeah. might not want to sign the live agent thing away because yeah. your managers might just be able to do it for you. Yeah. I think it's all depend. Like I know people that are doing so well under their own steam that why would they give mm. any percentage to that? Yeah. They'd have yeah. to get a lot of money. But the thing with majors is they've got a lot of money and at some point they're going to offer you dangle the carrot that's too hard to golden yeah, carrot. Yeah, yeah. yeah the golden carrot exactly um so i mean look you've set out the journey really well um particularly as uh, sam johnson sort of under the brand sam johnson and we love to give our guests their flowers um you know we love to see our, our friends win um so you're a very humble guy and you you know you come across in 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 that way i mean are you comfortable sharing with our listeners kind of you know, who you ended up eventually signing for and the kind of artists you were supporting on tours as well to kind of give that idea of, you know, what this journey and all that hard work eventually amounted yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after getting my managers, we did a lot of building. I wrote some better songs. Um, they also brought, like, producers and songwriters in to help collaborate with me to make the art kind of stronger at the time. After a, this is the kind of timeline he's talking about. A year from then, you know, I've maybe got my live agent in place, so they're getting yeah, me better okay. gigs. And then at that point, the record labels are starting to show up to the festivals I'm playing. Then a year after that, I'm signing the deal. So mm. it's two years after my manager's mm. turned up. And then when you sign your deal, um, I signed to uh, Universal Music, uh, mainly out of Germany, I think. It was Island Records out there. And then later on, Republic, uh, sorry, not Republic. Yeah, it was Republic, Republic um, in America, which were also a part of Universal Music. So I signed to major labels um, on that side. And then I signed my publishing to a company called Closer, who, as I said before, they, they're mainly known for managing, but they do George Ezra, James Bay, Polly Humstone, all these kind of people. And I signed my live agent um, to what was known as Coder at the time, but they changed to Paradigm. Um, so like Paradigm are Funnily enough, they, they work in sport promotion as well. So like Conor McGregor's signed to Paradigm oh, right. and, mm, and stuff. Okay. There's a music element to it too. So those are the kind of, that was my record label publishing and, and live setup. And then, you know, as things got on, I got to s support some great artists. Like I did um, a tour with Jade Bird, who was blowing up at the time. And she's still doing really well. Um, unfortunately, I got a chest infection during that European oh, tour. No. So I literally, man, it was horrible. I could barely sing every night. It was awful. But, you know, I got the opportunity to play with her. Yeah, yeah. I played under Lewis Capaldi at wow. a show once. Um, I played under all sorts of people at festivals. Um, I played with Tom O'Dell recently. And um, 
yeah, I, got, I, lot, I very fortunately got to play Wembley once, which is insane. Wow, that's incredible. Um, but you know, these are, these are kind of, they're amazing experiences when, when it's happening. Mm. It's, it's amazing how quickly like, you know, that can either mean something or it can't. Yeah. And, um, you know, unless you're on a, on a real roll and things are steamrolling forward, like these can either be like a highlight memory for you um, or something that really kind of continues to happen. And I, th and I think momentum's a big part of that. But those are the things. That and that's why the journey is so important um, <coughs> because, and we talk about this a number of times, it, you know, particularly happiness, it, it's in the moment, like like you say, yeah. um, and it's that's why it's so incredibly important to enjoy the journey um, and not worry so much about the destination, mm. um, because you had your journey and you've had those moments, mm. uh, but now the journey continues um, and and you're you're on a on a new path. But it's it's so impressive and and you know I wish I could have gone to one of those shows. I got <laughs> to go to one recently in a really intimate uh, spot. It was amazing to watch. I really enjoyed it. So we'll, we'll include um, yeah. kind of links to any upcoming events. Definitely, absolutely, show, right? yeah. yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other questions on Sam Johnson? Um, no, nothing else on Sam Johnson. No. So um, we understand that Cartwright is the, the next project. Mm. And um, yeah, we wanted to know why and, and what the future looks like. If you wouldn't just get, mind giving us an overview of that, that would be great. Absolutely. And this kind of like, we're talking about all the highs, right? The, the main thing about this, this industry that I've definitely learned over the years, it's like the most bipolar industry in, that I've ever encountered. It's, it's known like that for a reason. And, um, you know, I wasn't helped by the fact the pandemic happened just as I was about to release with that record label I was telling you about. But things were doing great for a while. And then I started releasing with this major label and it became quite obvious to me in my heart at the time that the music I ended up releasing at that point, bar a few songs, wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. There mm. was a lot of um, compromise and there was a lot of moments where I was looking at some music videos and all sorts of things where I was like, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> this isn't me. And this is obviously the age old thing that happens to artists, but the long story short of it is uh, 2020, so like just in March 2020, got dropped by the by the label mm. um it wasn't like i mean it feels like the worst thing at the time but really it wasn't because i was kind of having a lot of problems with them anyway i wasn't feeling artistically kind of in tune with them but that happened mm. you know and that's after 10 years of my life yeah. where i've kind of like built to a point where i'm really happy with things um so suddenly it all went away pandemic was there um i was then looking at my managers who i've worked with for f like five years and brilliant lovely people but i thought am I going to continue doing this? Am I going to go all over again? Mm. Um, and if so, am I going to, who am I going to bring along? Um, and I ultimately basically got a camper van um, in Plymouth, uh, the, kind of this time last year and um, rented it and drove around the country by myself. And I was just like, I need to like get my headspace, get realign what the hell I want to do with my life. Um, did that one of the best trips of my life you know super lonely at points super like hard but ultimately i came back and i was like no nah, i still want to do this and i've got a lot more to give at that point i had the decision of do i keep going as sam johnson really i'd have loved to but there was so much music i'd released at that point that i wasn't happy with that if i could delete that fine i'll keep going mm. as sam johnson the record label wouldn't let me do that because they're still earning from mm. At that point, I was like, oh, screw this, I'll, I'll, I'll rename um, and go again. So effectively, I'm taking my middle name, um, which is Cartwright, as you've, said, wanna, as you've said. Do you want to give us a little uh, insight into how you came about sort of, you know, obviously the middle name, but yeah. the discovery you had along your journey in, yeah. on, on the trip as well? Yeah, it's super cool. So as I said, I did this, this solo trip around in this camper van and my dad um, used to go to a fishing spot up in scotland he always used to bang on bang on about it and um, i'd never been and uh, i thought i was going to try and like find this this place and um you know i didn't i didn't have really any idea where it was apart from near lockerbie somewhere and uh my uncle basically used to go with him and he knew roughly where it was and he told me kind of roughly on a map where it was 
man, this is the most remote place I've ever been in my life. It's like Boris, <laughs> it's super rainy and drizzly. As soon as I cross the border, you can barely see anything. Quite creepy as well, <laughs> you know, like proper like logging country, like just alpine forests everywhere. I, I'm thinking Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, a bit like that. Just you can just hear the Hard Work Beats Talent theme tune playing in the background. <laughs> like. we, we didn't rip it, we promise. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah, just, basically found this 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 place so you found the actual fishing found place. found this little cottage which um was where my dad used to fish and i knew it was it because i finally got a bit of signal and my uncle was like um that's uh that's it right there and i'd found it and luck and and because how remote it was the people inside came out because they haven't mm. probably seen a car up there in mm. flipping weeks you know what I mean? <laughs> they came out you're right what are you up to and a bit lost like, exactly and i said my my dad used to fish up here um, I think this might have been his uncle, so my great uncle Jack's um, cottage. And they're like, "Oh, Jack Cartwright." And no I was way. like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. And I and they were like, "Oh, yeah, we knew we knew Jack. I, I, I think my wife knew him." So he gets his wife out, <laughs> or his partner, I think, and she comes out and she's like, "Yeah, Jack Cartwright." And you know, I knew his wife well, Jean. Jean's been like my whole life, my auntie. Oh, no, you know, way. I knew her really well, and she just passed away, bless her, a, a year before that. And she's like, "Yeah, we sprinkled Jean's ashes and the wildflowers just oh, over here." Wow. I was like, "What? Who are these people? This is insane." So at the time, obviously, I'm having this big crisis, thinking, "What do I do? Do I carry on with music? If I do carry on with music, what am I going to call myself?" I've come up with all sorts of pretentious names, like <laughs> Bloom, and, you know, <laughs> and it, like all sorts of just ridiculous names. Love that. But it had to mean something to me. So when I like obviously knew my middle name was always Cartwright, but then I had a reason to to go with that. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of knew at that point to call it Cartwright. Wow, amazing! <laughs> yeah. What a journey! Yeah, what a journey. And it sounds like the whole um, trip was a real like journey of self discovery, and mm. amazing that you were able to go through that, and and that there was the the, the kind of discovery of I do want to keep doing this, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to pursue my passion. I I can't wait to watch where that takes you. Cheers, mm. man. Thank you. Yeah, I've got you know I then came back and recorded a record, went back to the basics of the, the producer that I've always loved to work with, a guy called Elliot James, very good friend of mine, brilliantly talented bloke had the songs at that point that I really wanted to record, recorded that in Christmas last year. So now in answer to your kind of question before, it's like, we're just looking for a new label partner, which I'm hoping to get right this time um, to, to put it out. And so we begin again. There we go, I mean? the rebirth. Yeah. Amazing. Um, can't, can't wait Can't wait to see what that holds. Yeah. Um, the, the only other kind of yeah. point I wanted to, to touch on there was when you said um, you obviously got dropped by the record label and at the time, as the pandemic was starting it must have been really tough to deal with kind of emotionally but mm. looking back on it having that perspective and realizing that that wasn't quite right for you and it wasn't the right fit and by the sounds of it you've arrived in i'm sure what well, i'm sure will be a far better place hopefully finding the right match with the music label and, and putting out the music that you want to but um yeah i think just for our guests to take away there sometimes the the failures are actually big opportunities to have have a rebirth of sorts yeah yeah i i hope so <laughs> yeah. that, you know and you you see it a lot there's i think i heard something crazy like katie perry got dropped back in the day like she wasn't selling any units on this label that she was with and then you know she really struggled to get a new deal someone signed her up eventually and now obviously we know who katie, katie perry yeah. is like, she's all over just eat she's the advert yeah, yeah. So it's actually quite cringeworthy to watch really? there you go maybe um, she's fallen hard times again I doubt I just think they made her an offer she couldn't refuse <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, moving on to sort of your more of like a personal yeah. perspective um, and background in, in this segment we like to get a little bit deeper into um, you know, kind of where you came from, your parents' background, your upbringing, um, and some of the um, key challenges that you faced growing up yeah. um, to give our listeners a bit of an insight into what's behind, you know, mm -hmm. the, the sort of uh, the person that we see kind of day to day. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start with your parents and what your childhood looked like where you went to school things like that you mentioned your dad was an architect mum yeah, was a yeah. nurse like what did that mean for your family uh, yeah. and your home structure so um I, I was born in in west middlesex hospital so in brentford funnily enough where i now live mm. um but then my dad being ar architect i think he got a job in doha and qatar so i spent the first like three years of my life 
out in a desert effectively. Oh, wow. Not that I can really remember a lot of it, yeah. but um, he was out there and we came back to the UK and he grew up in a place called Ellesmere, which is in Shropshire, um, North Welsh border town, basically just on the English side. And um, we live, we, he moved us there. Um, we lived there for a bit and then I ended up just basically growing up in Shropshire. My mum and dad bought a, a little cottage in the middle of nowhere, um, really small little spot um, with like a couple of fields around it. And um, yeah, I grew up there. And then basically, you know, I'm, I'm an only child, which I think is like, you know, the more I think about it, probably like a big fundamental part of who I am as a person, you know, I think like I was very luckily able to go to private school because my, my mum and dad like, literally everything mm. that they had into that if i'd had a sibling there's no way i would have been able to do that yeah um so i think that was a, a big thing um <laughs> not that educationally it kind of did much for me because i was such a fuck up at school but um well, i was gonna i was just gonna ask you very briefly yeah. then but do you think if if you didn't go to the school you went to your path may have been changed in in some way or do you think things would have played out I don't know. I think like the I don't. It wasn't like responsible for me being a music like having a right. kind of urge to write music or do yeah. anything like yeah. that. And le there was no real part of the kind of obviously you have a huge amount of privilege and opportunity to go mm -hmm. to a school like that, and it's amazing. But I don't think musically it like yeah. gave me any more opportunity than anywhere else would. Yeah. How and and certainly my friends and stuff like they're still some of my closest friends in the world my boys that i grew up with and like none of them were musical either yeah, so i can't even yeah. say that the school i went to is where i met some musical people yeah how about from a, a confidence perspective so i was just showing something with you my parents similarly like struggled <laughs> to put us through through private school um and i'm forever grateful but i definitely think um from at least a confidence perspective it's, it's changed who i am um some of the messages we would get from teachers growing up is like i oh, know you're 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 gonna do well you're gonna be fine mm -hmm. Just those throwaway comments probably did build a degree of like kind of whether it was founded or not <laughs> confidence to try things. Um, yeah. I don't know if you found that at all. Yeah. Oh man, like I I was speaking musically, obviously in that kind of sphere. But what you're saying that that's for me the 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 main thing about going through an educational system like that is like, and you're so lucky to have it is this this confidence and like you kind of know pretty much like any I don't know any person you bump into on the street if that like if they've had that kind of background because you it's just like bred into you this kind of confidence i guess and that's slash delusion slash, <laughs> slash, <laughs> slash delusion maybe it, definitely like it's not you know it's not always for the best but that is definitely i think something that you get from from that and i don't know why that is i don't know like for what reason it's kind of i think maybe you're in smaller classes or whatever and and therefore they can devote more time to you. That's definitely mm. something which helped me and I was very fortunate to get that. But um, yeah, obviously you have more confidence, more kind of people telling you that you're you're worth it, I guess. And, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. And, and just moving on, do you want to give us a bit of an overview as to like kind of what the, like you said, you were an only child and, and, and that kind of dictated who you are today. What did you mean by that? Um, I just, I've always felt a bit more of an island, you know, I just, I know that I really only have my mum or and well as I'll get into in a second my dad passed away when I was quite young and you know having no siblings um in itself you as much as people do the old the age old thing of oh you're a spoiled brat all this kind of <laughs> stuff like luckily for me I wasn't really raised like that anyway but certainly you have a far like you get thicker skin you know even when you're young you have this weird relationship with death almost because you know like there's so little people in your inner circle mm. that you know that you're going to have to get strong and get strong quick because they're not always going to be around and i think that immediately developed my sense of anxiety for one um but also my my sense of kind of again confidence and belief in myself and and a backbone really i think that's the main thing that i could take from being an only child really yeah um, and that's really brave of you to have shared. So really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of our listeners will take take a lot away from that. Um, now you alluded to it there, some mm -hmm. of the key challenges that you faced growing up. Would yeah. you mind sharing with us kind of, um, you know, what happened with your father passing mm -hmm. away, how you dealt with that and sort of um, how it changed the course of your life as well? Yeah, man, like, 
something like that doesn't happen to you without it massively changing mm. who you are as a person. And, um, you know, I, I'm still, you know, massively uh, hurt by that whole experience. And I think, you know, as much as I've learned to deal with it, it's still there. But I think, you know, personally, what happened was, um, as I said, I went on that gap year uh and my dad was still kicking he was always older for me as well that's the other the other thing like as well as being an only child my mum is probably a bit more of a normal age but she's still in her mid to late 60s now but my dad was always a lot older than me there's 50 years between us so mm. um he was 72 when he died and i was 20. so um you know there was always that anyway um which in the back of my head meant that he wasn't going to be around for as long as maybe I wanted him to, but it certainly still happened way earlier than it should. Yeah. I went to Australia, um, had the best year of my life out there, obviously with FaceTiming all the time. And I can see he's getting a bit kind of skinnier, but he's always loved the drink and he just was playing it off. It's like, oh, I've given up drinking. I was like, fucking good on you, dad, brother. <laughs> you're looking good. But um, when I got off the flight, you know, so buzzed to see my parents, I hadn't seen them in a year and, you know, gave him a hug and I just, he was like wincing with the hug and like he was a lot skinnier and like I knew something was wrong there. Mm. Even then in my kind of naivety, I was only 19 then. Um, and my godfather like drove as well, his best mate. And like I, I was taking it all in, there's something wrong with that, but I never thought it was what it was. He sat me down a couple of days later, terminal liver cancer, um, you know, that's, that's, when you sit down you yeah. have that man like it's yeah i mean i can't even begin to imagine yeah you know, how, how you felt at that time and you know i mean really sorry for your loss and yeah. at such a young age as well and i'm sure your entire family really felt that yeah um, yeah man. well thank you i uh, appreciate yeah. it but um it's 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 one of those where obviously it's just an earth-shattering thing at the time but seven years later I can talk about it, you mm. know, and, I, and, mm. I, and I'm actually a far stronger person as a result. It was a horrible time. The one thing I will say is like, I was fortunate enough that I had a year with him after that before he did pass away. And that, not that I ever had a bad relationship with my dad, but um, we became so much stronger, man, like so much more of a unit. He opened up to me in ways that I, he hadn't ever done before. I just was like, you know, I couldn't have asked for more of a kind of, you know, open and honest experience with my father before he went and um yeah when i turned 20 he died that summer and you know my whole life got turned upside down and but ultimately i still had my mum my friends were amazing for me you know all my schoolmates that i grew up with and you know i couldn't have asked for more support from them and really i tell you what if there's anything that makes you get up in the morning and like think about what you want to do with your life and what, how you want to live it when you've just seen how easy it can be snapped away from mm. you like that. If I'm looking at death that early in my life and I'm thinking, well, if that's going to happen to me at some point, how am I going to live my years? I'm going to do it doing something I enjoy. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. And that kind of was the main, the main takeaway with all that. Sam, honestly, I'm, I'm, I've got goosebumps <laughs> listening to you. That, that was so profound and, um, the relationship you described with your late father was just sounds beautiful and really 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 appreciate you you sharing that with us because you really didn't have to and that's right appreciate it can't have been easy um and it, it makes me think i've got to <laughs> after this definitely like i spoke to my dad yesterday but give him a call and then yeah cherish that relationship because mm. like you said these things aren't a given and um yeah gosh i can only imagine <laughs> Well, even I can't really even begin to imagine what that must have been like at such a young age, but mm. I'm sure he'd be very proud of, of the person you are today and the decisions you've made and the, the impact you're having. So thanks, man. something Absolutely. beautiful, I'm sure, has come from it. Cheers. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I guess kind of moving on um, from from that, the, the change in your career as well, did that situation with your with your late father mm. kind of have an impact on your career and music and you know what you sang about and your kind of songwriting inspiration and things like that um in terms of songs like there's there's been songs i've written i don't know if anything's ever gone out that i'd explicitly spoken about that but that kind of speaks to the situation i was in because i would yeah. love to release a song like that yeah yeah but 
they only want pop bangers. <laughs> yeah. Some moaning about their dad dying ain't getting yeah. played on Radio 1. You know right, what I mean? Right, okay. so it's like, you know, I couldn't really express that at the time. Where I'm at now, far more independent. I've got, a lo I've got one song in particular on the piano that I can't wait to release, and it's all about him. Um, Amazing. So there's a lot of, obviously, a wealth of kind of emotional stuff you can tie into, yeah. dig into as a songwriter. But, um, yeah, I... I think like into I think I remember when you sent through that email like biggest challenges or whatever the dad thing was definitely it. Mm. The second one I, I wrote down was like um, the the thing that happened a couple of years ago with the with the record label and having yeah. to realign what I wanted to do. That's been and still is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, but in answer to your question about how dad kind of has a part of that, it's, it's again what I was saying before. It's like you kind of feel like you've got someone on your shoulder just nudging you along, and you don't want to give up for them, kind of yeah. thing. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of kind of a well of strength that you can you can uh, you know take from that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you for kind of providing us with that reflection. Um, I'm just mindful of time. Um, giving back. Mm. Um, are there any things you you do in terms of mentoring or in your personal life um, to to give back to the next generation? Um, from the experiences you've had it sounds like you've got a lot to offer mm. uh yeah i do um this thing called the ivers uh youth council so i'm, a, I'm on the youth council so the ivers are an amazing organization that um they're mainly known for the ivor novello awards which is like the, the the creme de la creme of awards that you could win as a songwriter i'd love to win one one day you know it's just something that everyone wants to go after but they've also got the ivers academy which are basically a lot of musicians and creatives that love music um that campaign for musicians rights uh you know diversity within within the industry basically everything that's wrong with the industry we help to try and rally support to make right and they've recently in the last couple of years set up a youth sector of it because naturally mm. luckily they had the self-awareness to realize oh we've had the same people here for 34 years <laughs> yeah let's bring in some young blood yeah. and i applied for that and now i'm on the youth council so and how does someone get involved in in that or you know if they want some support from from the council how would they go about getting in touch so you basically iversacademy.com um, okay. and then you'll find the youth council somewhere on there or just Ivers Academy Youth Council um, if you if that's the kind of thing you want to be involved with you can sign up for a membership I think um, you pay 50 quid or something for the for the year or however, however many years you get discounts on certain like studios in, in London or whatever or you get um, discounts at music shops and there's there's perks to joining up and then at that point you can you can have access to talking to me or whoever it is. Obviously, talk to me regardless. Just yeah. hit me up. But um, there's just like a wealth of support and, an, and a kind of community there, which is really valuable for not only young artists, wherever you're at in your journey. Um, the Ivers are a great kind of organization to help you along. So Nice. Brilliant. Um, and so, well, look, just wrapping up um, at the end of the show, we like to ask a couple of fun questions. Yeah. Um, what would be the best piece of advice? Um, well, no, let, let me start again. What would be the biggest life lesson you've learnt that you'd give to the 18-year-old version of yourself? Listen to your gut um, and make sure what you're releasing is something you're always going to be happy with your name being attributed to it if you're a singer songwriter that's like quite niche i guess to singer songwriters maybe not to musicians in general but mm -hmm. definitely make sure you're always true to yourself it's the biggest cliche in the book with art but man I, it, it goes a long way yeah okay and, and finally any books you would recommend read that you've read which have had quite a good like impact on you or any podcasts that you you would recommend that our listeners read yeah listen to rather <laughs> reading podcasts um <laughs> podcast uh i love listening to elizabeth day's how to fail she's great um you know roughly a you know similar format to what you guys are working with she really brings on really entertaining and kind of uh, valuable guests that can help show you an insight into their world and their profession and how they went through adversity to get where they are so that's really good it's another podcast called s town which is like 
completely different vibe. It's almost something that you just have to get dive into, but it's it's an amazing true story about this guy living in the south south of um, America, and he's a clock maker and and basically the shocking amazing life that he leads <laughs> honestly like sounds both, entertaining both of you should tune into that mm, it's so awesome. it's wild what happens in that in that but uh books had a kind of longer list but bringing it down to two um i'm mainly a fan of fiction to be fair um but i think it's worth saying like sapiens is a, is a great one for for a factual read i think it's just great to have a base kind of understanding of your kind of longer history mm-hmm. um and it's done in a really interesting way like it's not it's not kind of snooze material yeah yeah. maybe it points at dips because it's a long book but it's it's really well put together great book um fiction i could say a million things i'm a big fan of hemingway and and um all sorts of of novelists but uh catcher in the rye as a young person reading a book it's like you know it's like a manual for kind of adolescence really that book Mm -hmm. And, and it's a big coming of age one i think it's like one of the ogs JD Salinger, Catcher in the Rye, read it. It's really good. Amazing. Thank you. Um, Sam, where can people find you? So the plugs, the plug segment. The plugs. Uh, you can find me at, at this is Cartwright pretty much anywhere. Um, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Okay. I think Twitter is actually at I am Cartwright, but basically put Cartwright in. It, it will be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the show so, notes. So yeah. this is Cartwright is the main one. But um, yeah, you can find Amazing. me there. If you want to listen to the old stuff, um, Sam Johnson on Spotify or any of those kind of streaming services, um, only listen to Peter Pan. <laughs> My favourite song, by the way, that you've released. <laughs> do do you still get a cut though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so yeah, listen away. Yeah, listen away, guys. There's money in his pocket. <laughs> listen, listen. And you know, jokes aside, your music is in, your music is incredible. I'm a big fan. Cheers, um, I will be going to a lot more gigs and listening to to your your new releases as well as your old releases. Yeah. Um, so do tune in. Um, thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been an incredible conversation. Um, you've been really honest, insightful, articulate. Um, I've learned a lot more about you and um, I think you're an incredible guy and an incredible musician. Um, Alex, any closing words from yourself? No, just echoing Nikki's. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you a bit better and I'm sure, uh, I, hope, I, well, I hope the relationship continues and then we can have a beer sometime because yeah, it's yeah, been, yeah. been really cool. Yeah, nice amazing. And guys, thank you for listening. Um, as always, please follow, subscribe, like, comment, all of that good stuff. This has been the Hard Work Beat Salad podcast and we'll catch you on the next one.